Hey everybody, welcome to the fourth episode of Road to Infinity, where we take place in the Road to Infinity War Challenge that Marvel kind of put out there on all kinds of social media where you watch a movie each week in a row leading up to uh, Infinity War, which is when you run out of movies, that'll be the week that Infinity War actually comes out. Great, because this is the end of book one. I know they want to say phase and all this kind of stuff, chapter of phase, Infinity War is the end of book one, and Marvel has kind of a reset. So, th- we are doing this challenge. This podcast is not to review the movie. This is meant to be a an, an add-on, a companion, if you will. Uh, go watch the movie, take, play, take part in this challenge where you watch one of the movies each week. really lets you remember where these characters came from, and, and really how Marvel Studios started out with their movies and stuff. Um, you know, kind of bucks that whole theory of there's always a, a certain... Uh, layout to these movies. It's cookie cutter. It's like, no, these are these are not. And uh, you get to see some of these stars who kind of grew into their own because of these these roles. Of course, our first big leading star that had to grow into his own through this role, we get to today. Movie 4, Phase 1, Chapter 4, Phase 1, whatever. The fourth episode of this podcast is Thor. Uh, came out in 2011. It followed Iron Man, Incredible Hulk, and Iron Man 2. Of course, Iron Man 2 referenced it a lot, led into it a lot. Uh, this was um, uh, directed by Kenneth Branagh, who I loved his 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 direction for Thor and stuff, and I loved his background. I mean, he he's he's done a lot of stuff, um, and a lot of it very Shakespearean. Uh, he's got a huge Shakespearean background, and that really, really freaking helps with a movie like Thor. Of course, Thor is based off of Norse mythology, um, but we are going to go through that today. Today, your guests, your hosts, your co-hosts, your whatever, your equal partners in this road, this challenging road, is myself, Spencer, and my and this partner. is Glenn. Yeah, this is Glenn. Yeah, who do you? Uh, but today we're covering Thor, and, and of course, um, this is Chris Hemsworth's first big role. Of course, he played Kirk's dad, Captain Kirk's dad, in the Star Trek reboot, and that's all we knew of him. That's all we knew. He had two other movies that he had filmed that they were both waiting for Thor before they came out, and that was Red Dawn and Cabin in the Woods, who took advantage of his popularity, obviously. Oh, yeah. Um, so he really didn't have much going under his belt. I mean, you had a, the director of Henry V, Hamlet, Much Ado About Nothing, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. You had a very classic director, Kenneth Branagh, who, by the way, uh, fun fact, he doesn't shoot anything straight. Every scene he ever shoots is at an angle, even if it's just a slight angle. He can't stand shooting anything straight, and I can't stand knowing that, because I always see it. Um, <laughs> but uh, to... to to combine with Thor on this amazing cast they got together. Uh, you have Natalie Portman playing Jane Foster, a scientist and Thor's love interest. Um, she actually finds the... She accidentally finds the uh, rainbow bridge opening up to Earth. Um, and then she works with Eric Selvig, who is played by the phenomenal Stellan Skarsgård. Of course, everyone knows Natalie Portman. I don't have to introduce her. She's damn Queen Amidala, but uh, Stellan Skarsgård, who is her partner in her, uh, I guess her free labor, Darcy, uh, is played by Kat Dennings. Kat Dennings, of course, um, she is 
well, it just got canceled, but she was on Two Broke Girls. Um, and I guess really before this movie came out, the most recent thing she had done was uh, that people may remember is Nick and Nora's Infinity Playlist. Yes. Um, she did that and the house bunny back in 08 and then she didn't have a whole lot and then bam Thor bam Thor uh, Stellan Skarsgård has a much longer history of course most people may know him from Goodwill Hunting um, but say right before he was cast in Thor uh, he had done a um, a few smaller movies you, you might have heard of Angels and Demons uh, Mamma Mia you know these they're not small. They were big time movies. Angels and Demons is actually really good, by the way. Um, but he was he was I mean, the whole Skarsgård clan is full of great actors. You've got the It Clown. You've got Tarzan. Uh, you you have a lot of talent uh, playing characters in that family. And Eric Selvig is no different. He was really good. He really held uh, a father, fatherly figure in this in the group from Earth. Uh, yeah. But but if you're not looking at Midgard, you're looking at Asgard. The brother of of Thor, Loki, played by another basically unknown, Tom Hiddleston, who has blown up since playing Thor, or playing Loki. He actually auditioned for Thor. He didn't get it. Um, But I can't really tell you what all he... I can list you, like, from his IMDb, like, what he did before that. But he was on, like, a couple of short TV series, and he had nothing really going on. He just knew Kenneth Branagh and Brennan... Brana loved him, but then Brana couldn't obviously cast him as Thor. He wouldn't have looked the part. So cast him as Loki was actually probably better for Hiddleston because Loki is he's my favorite villain in the MCU. You know, after seeing him in the movie, I really can't think of another actor who would make a great Loki. I mean, I just yeah. I don't see it. He's got that thin, frail look to his face, and his timing is impeccable. Oh, his uh, depth just, as well. He, the, the Kenneth Branagh and Hilson together made Loki a deep character from the get go. Oh yeah, and they kept it up. This was the first Marvel villain, which made me so happy. The first Marvel yeah. villain that they've gotten right. Yes, exactly. Um, but not just his, not just his damn brother. All right, Tom Hilson, who is now a legend, but at the time, no one knew who he was. They really anchored. Um, the rest of Asgard in various actors. Um, now we have. Let me just jump over, and I'm gonna avoid the the big cat and all this. Uh, the Warriors Three: Volstagg, Hogan, and Fandral was played by Josh Dallas as Fandral. He would later leave the series to go do Once Upon a Time, which would then get canceled. Uh, of course, he had a great run on Once Upon a Time. It lasted like six or seven seasons with him. Um, uh, then I can't pronounce the name of the guy who played Hogan. He was really cool. He was a good actor. Uh, I loved him in all three movies because he has little parts in the next two. Uh, Ray Stevenson, the Punisher, decides to hop over to the MCU and play Volstagg, and he played it great. Yeah, he did. Like, he was funny as shit. I never knew Ray Stevenson was funny. Did you? I didn't know. Maybe no, you I had stuff no that idea. he was funny in. No, I had no idea. And that's he, when he knocks on the window, he's like, found you. It's like, what the hell is happening? <laughs> oh, man. Ray Stevenson, I, as much as I disliked him in uh, Punisher Warzone, I really did. Uh, between, um, he always played like a, like he did Book of Eli right before Thor, and he played a really rough guy. 
Like he yeah, played he the other guys. He he he's done so much, and he's always this big badass. And then technically, he's a big badass in Thor, but it's more of the he's the comedic relief of the three big badasses. Yeah. Um. And then we get Lady Sif, played by Jamie Alexander. Oh, is she not? She was great. She is great. She they really screwed up not making. I'm gonna say this. And I know it's feature stuff and this podcast already, but they screwed up not making Lady Sif a bigger part of. Thor's world. Yeah. Um, Because she didn't have anything going for her before this. She had played in a bunch of series and stuff, like Watch Over Me, uh, Colics Wise. She played in, like, random little stuff, but damn, if she... She was just... Every time she was on screen, I was watching her, not just because she's beautiful, but, like, I was really interested in her version of Sif. Oh, yeah. And you could really, in this movie, when you see her and Thor on screen together, you could... You could feel that... Uh, connection that they had. Oh yeah, I mean you it was. Just, you, you were waiting to see all right the fight for Thor's love, which is kind of you know kind of misogynistic and and old school, but it was still gonna get like that. Like the the fight for her love would be between uh, for his love would be between her and Jane Foster, and I was really looking forward to that. But um, anyway, uh, moving on to the rest of Asgard. Oh man. We got an incredible Heimdall with Idris Elba. Oh. He lucked out because this really helped him. Uh, because right before this, he had done a couple horror movies. He did The Unborn. He did Prom Night. He did The Losers, which I always say is like the better version of the A-Team. Uh, I know Glenn hates that. But uh, he, was in, <laughs> he, was in, he was in he was in 28 weeks, weeks later with, uh, with Hawkeye. He was in American Gangster. He, he has a long list of stuff, but this was his breakout role. It really, I believe it was. Oh, yeah. And just think about everything that he's done. Since then, I mean, he was the voice to Shere Khan uh, in the Jungle Book. He was in Star Trek Beyond. Um, the dude has oh, landed some major than, roles. Oh, my God. He's Pacific Rim, Prometheus. Yeah. Uh, of course, he did Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance, which I loved him in that as well. I also loved uh, I loved um, uh, Giles from Buffy on there. But he, he did Mandela, Long Walk to Freedom, got nominated for awards on that one. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, he, he, Beast of No Nation from Netflix, which is one of my favorite, probably still my favorite, uh, um, Netflix original movie. I mean, he, he's great. Zootopia, Jungle Book. He just keep going on and on and on. He just, he can't stop working now. It's like everyone wants him. I want him to be the new James Bond. That would be amazing. So it's like Idris Elba. Oh, what a great Heimdall. And then, of course, we get to the big cat, the big daddy of them all, the all father. Uh, he's got like, in real like Norse mythology, Odin's got like a thousand different nicknames. I'm not gonna go through all of them. I'm just gonna tell you that Anthony Hopkins as Odin was the biggest get that Marvel had gotten to that point. Oh yeah. Once he signed on, it's like, all right, every other actor, go ahead, go ahead and sign on because you know everyone's gonna be doing it eventually. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, cause, oh man, like he he. He's he's still a legend. He had fallen kind of into like he did the Wolfman, which was he did great. Uh, he was uh, set up to do the right uh, horror movie um, that came out that same year as as Thor. He did Beowulf, of course. That was actually a big deal, um, and it, he was great. I mean, he'd done Alexander about six years before that. He 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 was on the back end of a career, and it's like you want to finish your career up playing Odin. The, the god of, of Norse thought, gods? Oh, okay, sure. Yeah. We'll take you, gladly. 
and uh, and of course back on Earth you get Clark Gregg uh, back as Agent Coulson, and uh, you get Agent Sitwell um, added into the group, uh, which was 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 neat because he plays an important part later, uh, and he bounces in the Agents of Shield, uh, and, and it's really really neat that they set that up. But uh, this movie really a smooth making movie like there's not really a lot of problems uh the the adaptation of thor t- from the comics to the to the movie screen was going to be risky because uh, thor you have that split audience people that know thor norse mythology a small amount of them and people that love thor's comics which i still think at the time was a small amount of people uh and it's like oh shit this guy's going to follow Iron Man 2, but they did spend like several significant scenes in Iron Man 2 to set up this movie. Oh, yeah. And Chris Hemsworth, I mean, damn, the dude's got some comedic chops, and he's got that dramatic flair to him. And I mean, they hit a home run with this Yeah. in casting and everything. Storyline was freaking phenomenal. Yeah, Um. so just want to get into the uh, kind of the little bit of the background of the development of this movie. So this movie, first envisioned by Sam Raimi back in the early 90s, moved along, moved along. No one really thought much of it until X-Men hit really big. Then they're like, oh, let's make let's make Thor a, a, a television series or a television movie. And then there was like, they were actually going to cast Tyler Mayne to play Thor. And then they're like, nah, let's drop it. David, said Goyer, David S. Goyer got involved and they're like, eh, you know, everything he does does. <laughs> Um, or is it lackluster? And, and, but eventually, um, like, I don't know, six, seven years later, it moved to Paramount Pictures, and Paramount Pictures obviously is how Marvel Studios got started, and um, they started coming up with different ideas. Matthew Vaughn, unfortunately, was attached to it, blah, blah, blah. Luckily, we got lucky um, that it fell the way it fell, uh, because it was going to be a Gilmore, Guillermo, hate his name, Del Toro movie, and then that fell apart. Uh, Kenneth Branagh, of course, became the director. He was signed on, and and thank God uh, there was a, a a an actor who was offered the role of Thor. Thank God he turned it down. It was Daniel Craig. Uh, I just got done talking about how I would rather Idris Elba take over for James Bond. Well, unfortunately, we could have had James Bond as Thor, and I'm so glad they went with an unknown at that point, an unknown quantity in Chris Hemsworth, because he has really become that role really, really well. Oh, um, yeah. But uh, they, they they thought they were going to use Samuel Jackson, blah, blah, blah. They didn't. Um, they... The Marvel Studios didn't want a young actor. Kenneth Branagh fought for it. Um... Kevin Feige eventually just agreed, cool, let's do this. And they got the cast together. Now the film of the movie itself, um, they filmed it... They filmed it in the same area. Like, okay, so if you think of Marvel movies now, they're all filmed in Atlanta. But they filmed all of Phase 1 in uh, in, in California. Um, and that can pose a little bit of different uh they they have a lot of actors coming from other other places like you know England and stuff like that that kind of i guess haltered how they were hiring people uh Natalie Portman she's always been kind of the biggest problem in the cast as we've heard yeah uh, and that's just i mean that's just Hearsay. I don't want to say it's guaranteed but that's just kind of hearsay um but ultimately this movie didn't have a whole lot of problems 
there was not a lot of problems going on. There's not really much interesting to talk about the the making of this movie because they just they didn't screw up a lot. It's like Iron Man's like, oh, look at all these things they had to overcome. But with this one, it was really just the 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 adapting everything because they adapted Norse mythology, they adapted comic book stuff, and of course the comic had adapted Norse mythology as well. Um, but it was really just everyone getting into shape, everyone going to this movie because you had a lot of people that never did superhero movies before all being in a superhero movie and a lot of people that had never done action movies before all being in yep. an action movie between Tom Hiddleston um, even though Star Wars is an action movie you had um, uh, Queen Amidala uh, Natalie Portman <laughs> yeah you had her trying to join in and, and, and like I guess I don't I'm, I think she thought that she was going to be bigger be a bigger role, which she would get in the second one. Uh, but a lot of this was compared to Shakespeare. Um, a lot of the story was compared to Shakespeare, and the story was built around uh, a brother wanting the love of his father and being jealous of his brother, who is rightful king, blah, blah, blah. And then he finds out that he's actually a frost giant. Uh, he's a stolen frost giant baby that's not actually a giant. Um, oh, man. Loki's depth in this movie. I know we went over it before, but Loki's depth in this movie is amazing. Um yeah. Oh man. Okay, so so you start off and he's like, "All right, well he's jealous of Thor." And then it's like, "All right, he's got Thor banished." All right, he's making a deal with the Frost Giants to come in and kill Odin in his Odin sleep, which is a real Norse thing. Um all right, the frost. He's he's telling Thor that everyone's dead, so that Thor won't have a reason to come back. Almost like he's protecting Thor, um, because he doesn't want to have to kill him, but he wants to rule Asgard. Uh, yeah. And then the frost giants come, and they're going to kill Odin, and Loki saves Odin, because he wants to be the hero. And then at the end, he's screaming, "I, I could have done it. Could have done it for you, for Asgard." And then Odin just says no, and Loki lets himself fall into oblivion. And I was like, Loki had such a such a train, like a, a, a such a roller coaster on in this whole movie. <laughs> yeah, very conflicted. Uh, yeah, I, I loved it. Um, but anyway, there's a just want to go over a few things in this movie before we get into our favorite scenes. Uh, there's some artifacts in the weapons vault in Asgard. Uh, if you go back and look, there's a tablet of life and time. Um, it can extend one's lifetime, kind of make someone invincible or immortal or whatever. There's the Eye of Agamotto is in the is in the vault. And that was a big deal in Doctor Strange. We'll get to that, of course, in the Doctor Strange podcast. But the Eye of Agamotto, that's awesome. Uh, the Warlock's Eye, an artifact that can control people's minds, is in there. The Eternal Flame, mystical flame that cannot be extinguished. Uh, the Casket of Ancient Winters, which is an enchanted container filled with frosty winds. Um, and that's, of course, what the Frost Giants use to freeze stuff. And then the Infinity Gauntlet. The right-handed Infinity Gauntlet that we later find out <laughs> is a cheap knockoff in Thor Ragnarok. He said it was Thor? So, Glenn, what are your three favorite scenes from Thor? One from um, 2011. You know, this was kind of hard to pinpoint three favorite scenes because there were so many good moments in this movie. I um, actually didn't even choose full scenes. I chose really exact moments, and it was really hard. Yeah, that's uh, kind of what I've done. The Number three would be uh, the redemption of Thor. Um, you know, he's, he's, he's on Earth. The Warriors Three have found him. 
Loki sends the destroyer and um you know a Thor at there's a certain part in the movie where Thor realizes his fate. He's like, okay, I'm never going to be worthy enough to be Thor. I'm never going to go back to Asgard. Father's dead. Mother forbids me to come back. And he has really adopted uh, uh, his friends as his new family here on Earth. And when the Destroyer hits and he's coming through town, blowing up 7-Elevens and stuff, uh, it's like Thor is like, um, you guys go, and he just the 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 monologue that he has with the destroyer to Loki. Um, so uh, it was just it, it it was a good moment. I mean, it it yes, he's the god of thunder, but that put humanity to him, and because um, he really didn't do anything, and he's apologizing to Loki. I I'm sorry that I did this. Yeah, and it wasn't really him. Um, my second favorite is the very first of the movie. Uh, it looks like Odin uses the Force. Uh, we're, we're looking at the coronation of Thor as as becoming the new king of Asgard, and all of a sudden, as, as Odin's going through his spiel, he stops, and he looks off, and he's like, Frost Giants. Yeah. Bam, boy, he taps that staff, and out comes the Destroyer, and obliterates the hell out of him. Um that was my number two. My number one is um, the <laughs> there's a moment in the movie where she runs Thor over in an RV <laughs> and not not 15, 20 minutes later in the film, she hits him with another car. To me, that is hilarious. I, I, I've laughed. I rewatched those scenes. It's the best thing because it's like the second time she hits him with the car, it's like when Earl gets hit by the car and uh, my name is Earl. He just bounces off of it and lands on the ground. It's like, my, <clears throat> my bad. <clears throat> but those three things that happened in the movie, and there were so, so many good things that happened. Those are my three moments. So my three favorite moments uh, from – Thor, 2011, Thor 1. Uh, number 3 is Thor destroying the bridge, and Odin saving them, and Loki just wanting to be the hero. Uh, I know I touched on this a minute ago, but Loki be trying to, like, he just wanted to be the hero, kind of made him a really sympathetic character. Uh, Odin coming out to save them, and then him just, him kind of being, the, he's kind of the harsh dad. He's not, he's he, he loves his kids, but he's not super understanding I guess he's just been around way too long to have much pity for people um but uh Thor destroying that bridge and Loki screaming you know if you destroy that you'll never see her again and he does all that just to save the frost giants like he destroyed the rainbow bridge possibly destroyed their ability to leave that world ever again just to save the frost giants like the 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 race that wanted to kill his father that tried to kill him that hated him so much, and he just didn't want them obliterated. He didn't see the need for them to to, to go through that, to be wiped yep. out. Uh, and that was great. Oh man, such a I mean, the most heroic of the heroes so far. Um, number two, when the Warriors three show up to save Thor. And I know you already mentioned that when you mentioned Ray Stevenson, but they're at the glass. And it's like found you. <laughs> uh, it's really comedic. All of them. Even you look at um, 
all of their faces, even Jamie Alexander. And it's just, they're all just so funny looking right there. And and when they walked in the town, you had the S.H.I.E.L.D. agents who was like, I got Xena, Jackie Chan, and Robin, Robin Hood. Hood. <laughs> just walked in. I was like, okay, cool. Uh, and uh, then the S.H.I.E.L.D. camp scene. Uh, mm. The fight scene in basically Thor in, in infiltrating the whole time. This is where we get our first look at Hawkeye. And uh, Jimmy Renner was cast as Hawkeye. Of course, a lot of rumors were going around for multiple Buffyverse people to be included in these movies. And Joss had just signed on to direct the Avengers before this scene was shot. And a lot of people were like, oh, is he going to hire Nathan Fillion or David Boreanaz? Which one? It's like, neither, guys. He, he has to leave the Buffyverse alone. Pretty sure it's, he's contractually obligated to leave the Buffyverse alone, and then he hid Wesley Wyndham Price in a in an alien suit for Thanos later on. But uh, like a lot of people thought, Elazadishku may get Scarlett Johansson's job, uh, Black Widow. Like a lot of people thought, Elazadishku at the time it was realistic that she could be Black Widow, but now of course I couldn't really see her being that big of a star. I mean, it could have happened, but it it didn't. Um, but uh, Jeremy Renner. He uh, goes for a gun, and it's like, ah, oh, nah. He goes, then grabs a bow, and he goes up, and he watches uh, Thor, and he's the whole time he's like, I can take this guy out. You want me to slow him down? Yada, yada, yada. Then he's like, listen, Coulson, you're getting one more shot. I'm starting to root for this guy. And uh, <laughs> then uh, Thor, is he beats this the big old security guard and goes for the hammer and can't lift it. And he just gives up. He just gives up on everything. And uh, I love that scene, because that's the breaking point. That's almost the pinnacle of Thor's journey uh, to becoming Thor. Oh, yeah. Um, and, of course, uh, the, the, the whole scene, it, you got a lot of Sitwell, Coulson. You got S.H.I.E.L.D. without S.H.I.E.L.D. being disruptive to the movie. It worked well, unlike in Iron Man 2, where S.H.I.E.L.D. was kind of disruptive to the movie. So, that was really well done as well. This drink, I like it. I know, it's great, right? Another! <laughs> Now on to what we would have changed about Thor 1, 2011. Um, me, I would have changed nothing. I thought it was a great origin story. I really, there's nothing I could have done that would have been better. Uh, they set up what they needed to set up, and it really set up for better parts of Thor 2 and Thor 3. This is such a great base that Thor 2 and Thor 3 w- w- couldn't have been as good as it was if they had to fix mistakes from Thor 1. Luckily, I don't believe that Thor 1 had any mistakes. Glenn, do you? How do you feel? Anything you would have changed about Thor one? You know, I I have to agree with you, agree with you on that. I I wouldn't have changed anything. Um, the casting, the story, the acting, everything was on point. And there's nothing really. Uh, even if they did cut stuff from this movie, it was still a solid movie from credit to credit. And I've I've I got to give it to Marvel. I applaud them. Uh, and it's just it's showing everybody, the fans and everyone, that um, this is going to continue on an upward tick, they're not going to go back. Yep. And, uh, yeah, I wouldn't have changed anything in this film. Sorry, guys. Shortest segment ever. So you basically, it's like you click on YouTube to watch a 15-second video, and you have to watch the 30-minute ad. So the music in between this is going to annoy you. If you skip, you probably will miss it. <laughs> you know, for a crazy homeless person, he's pretty cut. The connections to the MCU, Stanley's cameo, and the end credit scene is what we'll be discussing at this section of the podcast. The connections to the MCU. All right, so we have more to talk about here. Uh, obviously, talking about the making of wasn't as eventful, but we do have a lot of connections to the MCU here set up in Thor. Without it kind of overtaking the movie, they did a really well balance. Uh, it's something as small as as um, uh, Eric Selvig 
bringing up that uh, I've dealt with these guys before dealing with Shield, and I knew uh, uh, the Pioneer and Gamma Radiation, and then all of a sudden the next day uh, after Shield got involved, he was gone. No one heard from yes. him again. And I was like, yeah. "What a great call to the Incredible Hulk!" Um, I'm sure you love that being a huge Hulk oh. fan. Oh, I did. I loved that. That moment was like, okay, that's awesome. And, you know, um, uh, Victor and I rewatched it last night uh, just for giggles. And, um, of course, kids today, I'm going to take his phone and chunk it. But I, I rewound the movie a little <laughs> bit. I backed it up. And I'm like, listen to what he says right here. And he went through the whole spill. You know, I had a friend that was pioneering gamma radiation. And I'm like, you see how ingenious that is? He doesn't say a name. And for people who are not really fans of the comic books, they still knew what he meant and who he was talking about. And it was just that little nugget they added in there that has woven itself throughout the entire MCU so far, because now we all know that he is the pioneer who was, quote unquote, taken out by S.H.I.E.L.D. Well... That 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 was great. There's also the little nods. I'm not sure they ever knew they'd get to the eye of Agamotto. I'm not sure if they ever knew they would they would use that. Like that was just thrown in there. Um, the Infinity Gauntlet. Everyone kind of knew you'd get to that eventually, maybe. But the eye of Agamotto at the time of being Thor, of Thor being made, there was no guarantee that that would have any impact or connect at all to yeah. uh, to Doctor Strange. Of course, it was later on used. The Infinity Gauntlet, of course, is the main thing that all of this whole book one has been building towards. Um, so that was great. Um, of course, at the end of the movie, you have the uh, scene with um, uh, the uh, Selvig meeting Nick Fury, showing him the Tesseract. Of course, that would lead to even Infinity War. The Tesseract is still a main feature piece because it's one yep. of the infinity stones and this was our first intro into an infinity stone whether we knew it or not the tesseract was our first intro into the infinity stone yep um which was great um other things with this movie uh you had uh of course your your shield connections you had your jane foster connections um but what else am I missing? Oh, uh, the what's this, the, the the creature that that shoots rays out of his head? The protector or whatever it's called. Yeah, the destroyer. destroyer. Damn, I don't know why I didn't think of that. Um, the destroyer actually was going to be used later on. It's a big role, big fight scene in Thor Ragnarok, and it was cut for time, as I'm sure tons of things like the Warriors Three and Sif were cut for time in that movie. Uh. <laughs> But um, it, that that would have played a big role later on. Of course, nothing in Asgard matters now. Spoilers. Um, the uh, the, was there a frost giant in the collector's yes. container in Guardians of the Galaxy? That's what I thought it was. I knew that yes. one of the Thor or two of the Thor villains was there. I knew it was an elf and a frost giant. Yes. Uh, so that's great. Alexander Skarsgård's character, uh, Selvig, was set up in this movie. He would play a huge role in the Avengers movie. Um, Eric Selvig would. Uh, he would, I mean, oh my God. Like, you won't see Darcy, you won't see Jane Foster, but Selvig is a huge part of the Avengers movie itself. Um, and... Uh, you got your yeah. Iron Man tie-in, because when you first see the Destroyer land... Yes. Uh, um, Colson says, 
uh, or, or his little lackey standing next to him says, is that one of Starks? And he's like, I don't know. The guy never tells me anything. And he's like, you are uh, in use of uh, illegal weaponry. And <laughs> he starts to power up and he's like, oh, shit, Brad. <laughs> so you got it wasn't even Iron Man tech, but he was like, is that one of Starks? And damn if I know, he doesn't tell me anything. <laughs> and I'm trying to think of anything else that that I'm missing for the setup. And Loki, of course. Of course, the whole dynamic between Thor and Loki and Odin sets up for Avengers, because Avengers is basically Thor 2. Yeah. With the Loki-Thor dynamic and Loki bringing this fight to Earth and Odin using his power, the rest of his power, to send them, or uh, send Thor to Earth. So... That's great. Uh, that's a great tie-in. But that's really all that we have. Of course, it wasn't too much. It wasn't overbearing to the movie. And the movie was actually way shorter than Iron Man 2, which is, is, is fine. The movie was paced very well. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, we get one of the best Stanley cameos. He played a truck driver who had a chain uh, attached to his hitch uh, on his truck to Thor's hammer. And he tried to pull it out, and it pulled the frame off the truck, which was great. Um, yep. That was Did one it... of my favorite Stanley cameos. Did it budge? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's much better line than wow or no lines from Iron Man 1 or 2. Um, yeah. Then we have the end credit scene, which is Dr. Selvig showing up, walking down a hall, Nick Fury being there, them having some banter back and forth, and uh, then uh, Nick Fury showing them this could be unlimited energy. And Loki was controlling Selvig the whole time, and he says, well, I guess it's worth a look. Yeah. And uh, boom, it ends. It's like, okay, Loki's on Earth. He didn't die at the end of Thor, and he's ready to set up bad stuff. And maybe Selvig is being controlled by him. Of course, you don't know that in the beginning of Avengers, but we'll get to that. All this food. So innocent. I just cast to the ground. It breaks the heart. All right, our final part of the podcast. Our rating and ranking system. Um, our rating system is not based on just Marvel movies. It's actually based on uh, all action movies. Just rating it, since we don't have any Marvel movies we dislike, rating it um, based on uh, silver or gold, silver, and bronze. We're giving it a ranking system like that, like the Olympics. Uh, so we don't dislike any Marvel movies, so we know they're at least bronze. Glenn, what would you rank or rate uh, Thor uh, 2011? Thor 1. First Thor. Thor... To me, Thor was a great movie. I mean, it, there's really nothing that I would want to change because um, it, even this, even though the Destroyer wasn't very, uh, he was used twice in the film, he was still better used as a villain through Loki than anything else. Um, <clears throat> I gave this one a gold. Um, I, I really yeah. enjoyed Thor. And, you know, I'm. I was a, a fan of the comics version of Thor in the cartoons. They make him some kind of surfer head idiot. Um but you know his, his the Norse mythology has such a rich history, and thankfully Marvel yes. uses that, um, and, and they don't take too too many liberties with it. Um, but you know uh, the, the Bifrost Bridge, Heimdall, all the people they talk about these this is these are actual people in Norse mythology, and um, being able to see this come to fruition and live on TV uh, is bringing back some of this to the public consciousness. And in my opinion, Norse mythology to me is more interesting than Roman and Greek mythology. Um, 
it's just something that uh, oh, yeah, I can, you know you can really dive into, and and it's good to good to information to have. I mean, Thursday is was actually Thor's day, so yeah. I mean it, it goes deep in, in culture. Uh, but to me, this movie uh, hit on every cylinder, and Kenneth Branagh did a phenomenal job of directing this movie. He picked great people to be in this movie, and Chris Hemsworth proved that he's got the acting chops. And after watching him in these uh, the movies that have come out since then, um, he it, he just gets better and better and better. And yeah. um, I, I've thoroughly enjoyed watching him throughout his career, but. I mean, this this movie, it was a solo movie. Um, they had enough in there to let us know that Thor's going to be popping up in the MCU later down the road. I just, uh, I really enjoyed it. So it made my top ten. Uh, I listed it at number seven. Well, wow, you rated it, you rated it gold, and you ranked it seven out of 17. Yep. Well, whew, oh man, I rated it a gold as well. I love Norse mythology. I love the connection the Norse mythology had with it. Uh, I thought this movie was really well done. It's an origin movie, and it was early on in Marvel's uh, setup, so it doesn't have as many callbacks or just overall connected feel, but it, I mean, it did still feature a lot of S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, I thought this movie did the Warriors 3 and Sif. This is the only Thor movie that did Warriors 3 and Sif justice. Uh, I thought Really, I don't have it's, it's a gold. I mean, I don't have much criticism for it. Um, and ranking out of 17, I would rank Thor 1 at number 14. Oh, wow. Um, which is still really high. And I'm just saying, this is just compared to Marvel movies, it's just a tough, tough list. So, uh, of course, if you remember, I rated uh, Iron Man 2 at 17 and uh, Incredible Hulk at 15. And now Thor is here at 14, which means you can try to figure out who's going to be in 16. Uh, but yeah, Thor at 14, nothing against it. It's just these movies definitely got better and these characters got better over time. Um, and, uh, you know, part of that is. Loki as the main villain was great and all, but I don't see Loki, in my view, I don't see Loki as a villain. So that's the only reason I ranked 14th under Thor and Thor. Thor 2 and Thor 3 are getting higher ranks, obviously, uh, because of their uh, depiction of Loki. Yeah. Um, So you and me have very different. What was yours again? Uh, mine was uh, ranked it at number seven. Yeah, yeah, seven. Mine was fourteen. So I doubled you. I got a higher score. I win. Uh, <laughs> thank you guys for listening. Uh, as always, you can find us um, and and all of our podcasts on SoundCloud and whatever you listen to podcasts on Casa Film, preferably. Uh, and you can find other podcasts we do, like wrestling podcasts and and just random movie reviews and stuff like that we have you'll find our channel and all the podcast lists under the take the studios family um podcast family channel uh, you can find us on social media at take the studios youtube.com slash take the studios where you can find video game uh videos for charity and you can find us individually on social media at sylco1316 for me i am at joker ha 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 79 uh, be sure to find us and yell at us. And, and, and if you listen to this podcast and you like this podcast, you think others might like this companion piece to the Road to Infinity War challenge that Marvel has thrown down, uh, be sure to share us, like us, rate us. Um, and, of course, we are not a review podcast. We are just a companion podcast. So try to give, a, when there's available, background information on the movies and our thoughts on the movies and kind of just get everyone ready for uh, for um, 
Infinity War and really build the stage of, hey, this is what this movie was like when it first came out. Looking at everything 10 years after the fact is real easy to kind of judge or look at things like, oh, man, had Idris Elba. Yeah, but he wasn't Idris Elba in 2008 like he is yeah. in 2017, 2018. My bad. Uh, so that's what we're trying to do here. So be sure to share us. Uh, watch those movies. Listen to our podcast. And then everything will be great. Except for this podcast. It will never be great. <laughs> Thank you and see you next week. <laughs> <laughs>